Welcome to LilyPod episode 92, The Death of a Marriage. Jeff and Kathy Teichert, bringing you another episode of LilyPod, a production of Love in Later Years. We are certified life coaches, authors of the Amazon bestseller Intentional Courtship, and members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our messages are directed toward mid-singles and later married couples. We also welcome all who enjoy personal growth and enriching relationships. Hello, LilyPod listeners, and welcome to another episode of LilyPod. Today, we are talking about the death of a marriage. And what does that mean? Just like the death of a physical body, some marriages die quickly and some die slowly. And we want to use that analogy as we uh, go throughout this episode and talk about various things. Well, and in personal experience, your brother died of cancer slowly. Yes. It took years. Right. Your son died from a climbing instantly, accident. almost. Yeah, not instantly, but within a but few very hours. Suddenly. So comparatively, it was very quick, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we hear of people, they go and they file for divorce. They ask for the three-month thing extension to be waived, and it's done. Right. And other people take years of years separation. negotiating, mm-hmm. maybe some reconcile for a while. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of, there is a lot of ways for marriages to end quickly and a lot of ways they can end and very slowly and drag, drag. And then there's everything time. in between. I mean, when my sister died, she was in the hospital for a week. So we had some time with her, but she was in a coma. And I mean, that would be a somewhere in between, but to the Lord, to the short side. Right. And, and yeah, there's just all sorts of time frames that are very variable in this right. um, thing we are calling the death of a marriage. Right. And I want to point out <clears throat> that uh, we're using, of course, the death uh, as in physical death as a metaphor for a marriage dying, but I want to point out that that literally you experience grief when a relationship ends. And grief kind of like someone dying because you have become alienated from the person that was the most important to you at some point. That's a very almost violent thing to experience. And you're grieving the loss of dreams. Right. And and when Henry died, the dream of having a new daughter-in-law and grandkids that he would bring into this world with her, that was a dream that died. Just like when we have a marriage that has died, there's a loss of a dream that, and things are different than what we had planned on, hoped for, and anticipated. Right. So so when we think about about the death of a marriage, there is grief in that uh, every bit as much uh, as the grief that you experience when somebody dies. You know, just like a physical death, the death of the marriage needs some kind of ritual. Like a funeral, 
where the grief is processed with close friends and family. The absence of that is why we think in many cases, the grief of divorce tends to go on and on and on for a lot of people. Right. I remember seeing on a popular TV sitcom when I was a kid, and this is going to date me. Uh, I don't know how many of you remember Bewitched, but there was an episode, it seems like, where there were two people that actually had a divorce ceremony when they were getting divorced, and they dressed in black instead of white. And, you know, it was, uh, it, it was a ceremony severing the marriage. Um, and that I actually sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I think somebody intervened and actually stopped the divorce from occurring or something, but huh. don't quote me. That's been like 40 years ago. <laughs> like somebody raised but, their hand and protested. <laughs> right. Um, but anyway, the, the, uh, the idea that we're trying to convey is that <clears throat> we, we can benefit from rituals that help us to let go when all hope is gone of, of reviving the marriage. And we think it's kind of unfortunate that we don't do more of that in our society. Um, and because unlike a physical death, the funeral uh, doesn't have to happen quickly. So sometimes we put it off indefinitely, but we would recommend doing it as soon as possible. Uh, if you know a divorce is pending or that a divorce has happened in your own life and that you, and if you don't feel closure, it's not ever too late to produce your own ritual, but we just suggest doing it as soon as you can, if it's something that you feel like still needs to be done. Right. I mean, and the, the, the social ritual for divorce in our society is signing papers and sometimes not usually, but once in a while, people actually go in and sit in front of the judge while he pronounces them divorced. Uh, oftentimes they don't. They've agreed to everything and they just do it in their lawyer's offices. And you, signing a few papers is the ritual. And you get a piece of mail like it's just any other old bill. Right. Okay. Now your divorce is final. Congratulations. So um, it's I, not I enough. Think is it? Yeah. If you look at the ritual we went through when my son recently died, <clears throat> you know, we, we reserved the church for the funeral and uh, it was the chapel where he had grown up and gone to primary and young men's and all of that. And we had a program where people talked. Uh, a friend of his sang two songs. Um, Kathy played her violin I gave a little tribute along with a couple of his friends and his brother and, uh, and one of his uncles. So, and we had this really beautiful service to, to celebrate his life and, and, you know, had a chance to work through some emotions and, in, in doing all of that. And then, you know, we, we buried his remains up at the, the cemetery in the town where he grew up. Well, we don't have anything that elaborate in our culture for the end of a marriage, but we believe that honoring a marriage you had, even if it was far less than ideal, it still deserves to be honored. It, it probably consumed years of your life. There probably were some good times. There were you hopes can, and dreams. You can honor the way you showed up that was good and that you would like to show up in future relationship as. You can mourn 
the loss of the ways in which you wish you would have shown up that, you know, you don't get to redo with that person, but you could show up differently in the future. I mean, you can, you can also, I mean, I think a lot like the, like a, a funeral for someone who's deceased, there's going to be mixed emotions. There's right. going to be some sadness. There's going to be some gratitude and there's going to be some feelings of things that are unresolved. Right. <clears throat> you know, one ritual that I, that I practiced and it kind of happened almost by accident, but I was going through a lot of my property. A lot of you probably know about the Marie Kondo method of tidying your home. And I had decided to intentionally get rid of a lot of my things. I felt like my home was too cluttery. And so, and then I was also trying to make room for my son who was about to come home from a mission uh, soon. And so I, I went through a lot of my things and I got rid of a lot of my stuff. And one of the things I found was a box full of love letters from my former wife. And it was a decent sized box. And I thought, you know, I don't want to get rid of these out of spite or anything like that, but I, I don't want to share my living space with them anymore. So I scanned them just for historical purposes and I have them on a hard drive. Um, but I took that box to the apartment complex where we met at BYU or near BYU and set fire to it. And there was something kind of liberating in that. Not that I was burning the love that we used to have. It was more like I was letting it go. I it was a ritual that helped me to recognize that what was past was past. And there were some good and beautiful things about it and, and that came from it. But that it was a chapter of my life that was closed. And I believe that was a lot of years later when you really years, had yes. felt motivated to go through your stuff. For me, my ritual was when my, my former spouse got remarried, I went shooting and I went and I put all the like Pepsi bottles, like the exotic ones we'd like gathered from all of our travels and stuff. And I was like, I don't really want to look at these anymore. So I, <laughs> and I, I did this across from the Bountiful Temple where we had been sealed. Oh gosh. A I don't know, 15, 16 years earlier. Right. And so I, um, I, I shot at these bottles and I watched them explode and it was therapeutic to see uh, that we were that we were closing that chapter of our lives completely. And the therapeutic part was I let go of something significant to us in a grand fashion <laughs> and some symbolism of our marriage being really, truly over. Right. Now, I mean, I know both of these rituals that we just discussed could sound a little violent, and we don't mean it like that. But sometimes you can be really angry going through a divorce. You may feel hatred for your former spouse. And we're not saying you, you should feel that or shouldn't. It's just a feeling you have at the time 
based on your thoughts and the experiences uh, that you're interpreting. But there are times when, you know, it might really benefit you to go to a rage room as one, one uh, idea that Kathy got from a healthcare provider that she goes to. And uh, yeah, he was going through a divorce and he said it was the best therapy ever. And we've since actually learned that they're, they're highly recommended by grief counselors. Right. Cause you may be upset about the way someone died or the fact that they died young or whatever it may be. And if you're really angry, that's an outlet that helps that to dissipate somewhat. Uh, so, you know, a rage room may not be the right thing for you, but it, it might. Yeah. You just basically go pay for these used old objects that are garbage, basically like big screen TVs, glass, um, whatever you want to bash in. That's right. what you, yeah. And, and then as we mentioned, you could burn a box of love letters in a significant location. You couldn't, you couldn't go shoot at joint property that you no longer desire like I did. Um, so Jeff and I right. had our own thing and um, there's journaling and we, we both did quite a bit of that as well. Right. Journaling can help you work through your various thoughts about a particular, uh, loss and, help you to grieve that uh, in a way that's more intentional. Well, and if you're sentimental like me and like Jeff, you may want to keep a few things from that relationship that were significant to you, that were positive, that were good. Um, but f like me, I had box a box of each of my former spouses that it was like my memory box with them. Yeah. And combining all of that stuff well, like, of course, reducing it significantly and then combining what, what only really matters to me now and putting it together with like all of the significant relationships I had during my mid-single dating years so that it puts it all in proper perspective. And it's just this little, you know, like these, you know, past loves and, and losses that are significant um, in creating who I am and who I am showing up to be in our marriage and then making sure that, you know, the most significant um, memory boxes with my current companion right. or, or if I wasn't currently married, I would make space for that. Maybe, right. maybe even, I think setting an intention, like when I bought my new home, I bought new bedroom furniture and I left his dresser drawers empty and I didn't know who he was. Right. So I think creating a memory box, that's empty for a future companion can be really powerful source of intention that you are creating space for in your future. By the way, my stuff is in those drawers now. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, so in any way you can make room for a new person and then put into perspective your old relationships. So there's no like shrine to any particular person um, that can be healthy. Um, and that's, those are all, a lot of those are very personalized, you know, whatever works for you. Right. You know, there's something that also that we've kind of joked about it a little bit in this episode, but, but there's actually a serious point to be made. You could invent a formal divorce ceremony with, you know, you could have funeral potatoes or do, make it like a funeral for your marriage. You could invite friends and family over to um, grieve with you. You could have some sort of little ceremony, you know, where you, 
you go through some kind of ritual to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to let this go. Like people releasing doves at weddings, you know, I mean, I don't know if that's something you would consider, but there, there could be something all kinds of. Something that you're of... welcoming peace and you're letting go. And I, I personally, I personally think funeral potatoes and ham reminds me of that comfort food that the Relief Society shows up with when anyone dies and is having a funeral. And I know it's not always that way, but it's been that way for a lot of funerals I've went to. And so I think something like that could signify that, you know what, I'm going to treat this loss in my life as just as important to grieve and to uh, be supported in as any other significant loss. Right. So you could have, like we've just been talking about, a formal divorce ceremony of some kind. You could have people over for dinner. You could say, you know, tonight we're going to talk a lot about uh, my marriage and what was good about it and maybe my reasons for divorce. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to go through some of that because the idea is working through a lot of the feelings you have in the way that you would at a funeral for someone who has died. And it can signify that you're passing into a new phase of life and that you're welcoming the abundant blessings that are in store for you. And that's, we really truly believe that whenever we have a loss, we've got blessings in store that are compensatory. Right. Um, so on the, on the other, so, you know, we've talked about ideas for divorce rituals. We'd also like to, to counsel that if you're the one who's experienced the death of a marriage, to not be bashful about sharing that fact. Um, it doesn't need to be shameful. It can simply be a fact of your life. Um, we know this is easier said than done, but it is the goal. And isn't it wonderful when we reach that place where it just becomes a thing that we've experienced rather than something we need to be embarrassed about or that or, defines us or that we have big emotions over. Uh, eventually it morphs. It can morph it when with intentional effort, it can morph into simply being a fact that we do not feel need to feel shame about. It's just part of our life path and that's it. Yeah. Kathy. And that I think also raises an important point that when we experience a death, you know, like I, I mentioned the death of my son, lots of loved ones came together, people who loved him and loved our family. And, you know, people from my former wife's side, people from, from my side and, uh, and a number of Henry's friends. And it was, you, you felt at the funeral at least, and at the, the, the weeks surrounding it, that there was a lot of love and support and, Hey, we're here for you. And when we get divorced, it seems like people disappear instead of rallying around us or, you know, taking, taking us un, into their arms. And I think there's a way, I don't know, I think maybe in our Latter-day Saint culture, in, in a way, we, we don't know what to do when someone's getting divorced because we're so pro-marriage. And we are too. I mean, I'm not you know, I'm not oh, saying we're not anything. Pro divorce. We just like right. to support those who that's part of their life experience. Right. I mean, and if you think about it, uh, Jesus was criticized by the Pharisees and the members of the Sanhedrin and the other powers that be of his time 
because he ate with sinners and publicans and prostitutes and, you know, that he, he was willing to sit down and have a meal with the dregs of the society, so to speak. Well, he was willing to do that because he loved everybody, not just the people that were, you know, pious and very religious. And I think when we sometimes forget that, you know, and, and we're almost afraid to interact with divorcees because that might be a disease we could catch, or maybe that person will influence my wife to leave me, or... Or maybe we're just uncomfortable and we don't know what to say, just like when right. someone dies, because sometimes there are no words for such devastating loss. Right. Um, and then sometimes people do, do get judgy, but if they get judgy or we think they're getting judgy, remember it's them, not us. Like always any judgment we receive from anyone is about their thought processes and their, you know, their limited information. And one thing that I experienced when I was going through my divorce and, you know, you lose, like, I, I always say this is ironic that when, you have the death of a family member, not only do your friends and family show up, but perfect strangers who are acquaintances who care enough about you and your situation because they've been through it, they show up. I mean, we've had thousands of people reach out uh, with condolences when Henry passed. Right. When I went through divorce, I lost half of the people in my life that I cared about. Right. And it was terrible and it hurt and it, it, it was painful. And I remember praying about it one day and just asking God, just like, this isn't fair. Like they don't know. I, they clearly don't know how I'm feeling or they wouldn't do this. And they don't know me or like my side of the story. And like, I, I feel like I need to correct it or, you know, all the things you think that you want to try and change. And I remember getting the very distinct, distinct impression that I should apply Jesus's words. Forgive them. They know not what they do. Right. Be and I, I, I really, it softened my heart and I, I've never, well, I've, I should say I did for a few minutes, but like ever since that time, I have felt to release any kind of negative feeling towards someone who went away knowing that, you know, they had limited information. They didn't know what they were doing. They weren't trying to be hurtful. It wasn't intentional. They were probably having, you know, their own grief process. They were dealing with all of that stuff. Right. So I think when we can put anybody else's judgment, it's in its proper place. And know that most of the time when we think a lot of people are judging us, it's usually the judgment we're putting on ourselves that we're projecting onto them. You know, um, don't can, you think? Yeah. There, there are two thoughts that I had as you were talking about this. One is an experience I had with a cousin. And when I was going through my divorce, you know, I, Kathy can tell you I'm prone to use some pretty dramatic words to describe <laughs> when I'm having strong feelings. Well, I had used some pretty dramatic words um, related to uh, a very sensitive issue in my divorce. And I think my cousin was a little shook up by it. And her husband basically told her, don't talk to him anymore. You know, you need to 
you need to stay away from him because that's going to drag you down. Um, well, I understand now why some people advised her that way. Uh, the irony is that, uh, you know, another 10 years hence, she got divorced. And, um, you know, who rushed in to try to be supportive and helpful? Well, I did. And I'm not saying that I'm a better person than her. Far from it. I think the difference was I had a perspective because I had been where she was. And I knew how much it hurt and how hard it was. And so I think I developed empathy for people in that situation. And, 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 you know, I mean, she and I are still close because of all that. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, I think that's an important thing. You've got experience. A lot of you in, in our audience, you've got experience. And when other people go through this stuff, man, try to be there for them, reach out, say, Hey, I, I know where you're at. I, if you ever want to talk, you know, let's go get a, let's go get a soda and, you know, talk things, talk about things. Yeah. I'm sure so many of you already do that. Yeah. Many of you probably do, but that's, that's an important thing. And then <laughs> one other, uh, brief example. Um, I had, uh, there was a, a dating partner I had, I, I, dated her for a, a brief period of time, but she was living in my parents' ward at the time her husband left. And when my dad found out that I was dating her, he said, oh, I think I kind of stepped in it with her. And I said, uh, yeah, how's that? And well, I asked where the husband was and she said, he's gone. And my dad thought maybe he was gone on a trip or something because um, he hadn't been gone very long. And she, he, so he said something like that. Oh, is he gone on a trip or, and she said, Nope, he's just gone. And then it kind of dawned on him. Oh, he's gone. He's left. Well, as it turns out, I, I actually raised that with the girl I was dating and she said, no, I didn't think twice about it. You know, it didn't, it didn't really bother me. Um, sometimes you're hurting so much, like it's like the least of your concerns, right? Right. And I think sometimes, like you said, Kathy, we don't know what to say. Um, and sometimes we don't even know until we've kind of stepped in it, so to speak. Um, and I think people understand that even people in pain and, and most would like to be helpful and comforting if they knew what to do. Yeah, I, I agree. And then kind of going back to what I was saying about projecting our judgments onto other people, sometimes we don't realize that we have judgments about divorce and that when we find ourselves in the situation that we never thought we'd be in, at least I experience this, I never thought I would be divorced now and then that now then what once i was i had a lot of judgments about it and i thought everyone was judging me when really i was judging it and then projecting it onto society as a whole right <laughs> and that's kind of going goes back to if you can get to the point where you just state it as a matter of fact and it isn't emotionally upheavaling every time you say it and you don't shy away from it as if you're ashamed of it, but you just say, I'm divorced. Right. 
I'm single because I am no longer married or however you want to say it. It's just a fact of your life and it's not something to be ashamed of. If you have a friend or family member that is experiencing divorce, um, within your circle, think about the things you might say, you know, if, if that person had died instead, or what, how would you give comfort? You know, you would express and con, uh, sincere condolences and expressions that you care, the idea that you're there for someone, all the same things that you might express around a death, you can express to someone going through a divorce. Absolutely. I think those are all the appropriate things to say. Uh, you know, and just like, there's also lots of inappropriate things you can say. And there's lots of things that can trigger someone, even though it seems like the appropriate thing to say. But I think usually we know people's intentions. Like when they, sh when they share their condolences with empathy and compassion and love, even if they didn't say the right things, we can fill their spirit with it. Right. right. Um, so don't be afraid that you are going to say the wrong thing. Sometimes even just saying, there's no words. I know this must be hard. Well, and, and I know some people have even claimed, oh, divorce wasn't hard for me. I, I don't know. I kind of tend to think that there's at least something challenging about divorce for everyone. And most right. people have a really hard time of it. And some people have a devastating time of it. Especially for a lengthy marriage like both Kathy and I had at, uh, in our first marriages. Yeah, that's true. I do think the length can make a difference, but but even that, it can be also like how serious and um, intense of a person are you? How emotional, you know, how in touch with your emotions are you? Like it's all right. of those things are a factor, but yeah. So just uh, if you're observing that death of a marriage as a, you know, a friend or community member, um, all those sincere condolences you would offer in the case of a death are the same. Um, I think that's the same thing you, you want when you're grieving the loss of a marriage. Right. Now, one mistake a lot of people make, and we've, we've talked about this a lot, but we really can't repeat this enough. Uh, you might think you need to choose sides. A lot of families become very tribal when they, when their loved one goes through a divorce, they feel like they have to take the side of their blood relative or whatever. Or if you're going through a divorce, you might feel like you need to recruit people to your side because right. it, there must be a side. Right. And, and the truth is, um, I, I think there is a sense in which we see divorce as being so serious and, and that it must involve grave sins of some sort. And so, and there needs to be judgment of I, some kind, right? I need to determine that I'm not being the devil's advocate I need to be able to place blame somewhere before I can support anybody. Let's get that idea completely out of our heads, out of our culture. Look, like I said, Jesus, he sat down and had meals with tax collectors and uh, sinners and, you know, the, the lower element in society, so to speak, not because he wanted to be like them or uh, condone anything wrong that any of them had done, he did it because that was the loving thing to do. And we don't have to make a judgment about who's right and who's wrong to... Or even whether the marriage should or should not have happened. Because, um, you know, we have a podcast called The Divorce Decision. 
And if that is where people are at, then that's what they can go to to help sort out whether the choice should be made or not. Right. Um, but and but that's not the purpose of this podcast. This podcast is to help people um, both on, in the community support and also those who are going who are or have been through divorce to welcome rituals that are truly helpful and supportive um, once it has already happened. Just like once Henry had already died, there was no, I mean, even though we tried, you know, because I think we always do this when, when something, when someone dies or when a marriage dies, we think, what if, what if, like, what if I had done X or Y? Right. And, and all of those things. But once it's already happened, when the person is dead, when the marriage is over and the papers have gone through and it is final, it is, or it was, it is already a fact of life that either we can accept or we can fight against. Right. And when we can accept it, when we're going through it and when our family and friends can accept it, even if it takes them by surprise or shock, um, it, it really helps us a lot and it doesn't do anyone favors to create more drama by trying to split everybody up and make them choose. Right. Um, now, whenever you can sincerely support both people um, in from, you know, a marriage that breaks up when you, you know, you've known them both, um, of course, without betraying any confidence they share with you personally, that is the ideal situation. Right. When, when both parties can feel loved and supported and know that you are there for them. Um, and then if, you know, if they confide anything in you, you don't share it with the other person. I think that's important too. Um, and I, the, the older I get, I think the, the wiser I become as I, I ponder these situations that I found myself in, I think that it can be really, really great when we can see and honor and even embrace the dichotomy in this world. The, you know, that there's more than one relative truth when, you know, when it comes to human relationships, that there's always more than one way of seeing things. And we're all very complex human beings. Right. And I can see where two people can see a marriage and it's breaking up differently and have them both be right in their own ways, if right. that makes sense. Right, and both wrong in their own ways, you know, <laughs> only seeing right. their own interpretation. But yes, I, you know, Kathy, I, what you just said reminded me of our trip to Washington for Henry's funeral, Henry, my son. Well, we actually stayed the first night we were in Washington with one of my former wife's old college roommates who I've stayed in touch with and remained friends with through the years and became friends with her husband when they got married and, and have been ever since and great people. And you know what? They're, they're friends to, to my former wife as well. Uh, they didn't ever choose and say, Oh, we have to, to love you. We can't love them or vice versa. And I think that that's a really, you know, that is a relationship I really treasure all these years later. And um, and then at the funeral itself um, of our of our son, 
Um, we walked into the chapel. Um, just a minute or so later, my former wife walked in. We met up with each other in the hall and she threw her arms around me and gave me a big hug I, more than anything that's happened between her and me since we parted. Um, and I don't think that means, you know, anything more than we both had the recognition that this person we were grieving and celebrating was our son, that we created that life together and, and that we both played an important role, not only in his birth, but in his upbringing. And so, you know, I, I feel like sometimes when we become tribal, we're really failing to appreciate the good that is in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, and interestingly enough, I think when tragic things happen, it can bring even opposing sides of a, of a, a previous marital loss or marital death. It can bring those sides together in the common, um, either the common love of raising children as co-parents or the common grief of losing one of those children to death. Right. And um, anyway, well, we hope that you found this conversation, this focus for a few minutes today on the death of a marriage to be uplifting, to be supportive. And we hope that it gives you some food for thought for maybe ways in which you can either do some of your own rituals that might be helpful in you moving forward and healing more fully, or even encouraging your friends or family members who are going through it to do the same. Right. And um, to go along with this podcast, uh, our weekly Lily letter that we send out to our subscribers, you can subscribe at loveandlateryears.com. Um, it, the title of that letter will be um, Death and Divorce Rituals. And the title of our video that will go with this podcast in that Lily letter is Restoring Hope During Hard Times. And in that one, we get, it's pretty tender video and we get um, pretty in-depth on our experience with um, losing Henry and, and all of the thoughts that could potentially trigger us to be in mourning and passionate grieving for a lot longer than necessary and how we've used our skills as life coaches to coach ourselves through and find thoughts that are more beneficial. So, you know, if you've ever struggled with the thoughts you've had about a loss um, and want to be able to shift them around. That's a really good one. And it's, it's very pertinent and tender to our own personal experience just recently. Yeah, we really think that it's important to take time not only to grieve the loss of a marriage. As, as we said, it's just as powerful as a death. Uh, and, and more so in many cases, because at one time, that person was the most important person in your life. And so, so there's that. And we also think it's important to maybe create some rituals to help you mentally focus and let go. 
and move forward and move move forward yeah. and so you know as silly as it may seem maybe you burn a box of love letters maybe you have a little dinner with people you're close to and talk through why this happened and you know go through some little ceremony to say okay after this i'm letting go and it doesn't mean you're going to magically stop being being upset or whatever but it, I, I think it does a lot it goes a long way the funeral isn't all the healing for a person that's died but it it goes a long way to help to help with the grieving process absolutely so thanks for listening and diving into this subject with us today again if you want more on being able to shift thoughts during hard times and and difficult losses um you can catch restoring hope during hard times on lily tube and remember Anytime is a great time for more love in your life. Thanks so much for listening to Lily Pod. Subscribe to Lily Pod and get notice of each new weekly episode. If you enjoy what you heard, give us a positive review. We want to reach as many mid-singles and later married couples as possible, so please share this podcast with those you love. To access fabulous free content like written articles and YouTube videos on LilyDube, and to learn about our book Intentional Courtship and Lily Coaching Services, visit loveinlateryears.com. <laughs>